Welcome to Currents, your leading global voice of maternal feminism. As maternal feminists, we are inviting you to join us, using our voices in the public square for the things that deeply matter, our faith, our families, and our maternal identities. The Currents podcast aims to gather women who are deliberate thinkers and women who are prepared to engage as powerful forces for good in our homes, our communities, and our world. Welcome. I'm your host, Dana Robb. This month, we're talking about tenant number two, which is that we seek after knowledge and wisdom. We see that wisdom is achieved by uniting our internal compass or conscience with our life experiences. We also see the value of obtaining as much education as possible. We value and cherish wisdom. So today, I feel privileged to have as our guest my own sister, Brittany Homer. She is a great example of living by this tenant, and I'm excited to have her insights. Brittany has created a podcast, Educating Parents, and started a nonprofit to educate and empower youth to be tech savvy. Brittany, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here, and I feel very honored and humbled because I know the kind of people that you have on this podcast, and I love Big Ocean Women especially since they saved the day for me earlier this year. I was um, invited to go to the United Nations and present there, and it was kind of a last-minute invitation, and I was kind of panicked because I didn't, I mean, all the hotel rooms were booked up. I mean, it's a big event, not many places to stay, and certainly not cheap, and I found out that Big Ocean was going to be there, and they offered me a place to stay, and just really welcomed me in and just made me feel really kind of at home with their group there. So it was, it was pretty amazing. And actually there was a point after my presentation where uh, there was a little bit of a uh, chaos and people getting upset and um, a lot of confrontation happening. And I remember this woman coming up to me and asking me, do you feel safe? And I was like, what? should I not feel safe? And I just kind of had to ask myself, do I feel safe? And I looked around and I was like, okay, there's Anne, there's Kim. There's like, there's my people. And yes, as long as I can see them and they're here, then I feel safe. So anyway, they just, they, Big Ocean has a really uh, special place in my heart for that and for other things too. And I've, I've followed them for a while and just been really impressed with all the good work you guys are doing. Well, that was an incredible opportunity, and I'm so glad Big Ocean was able to support you there. So let's jump into your story. I want you to share your journey. What's led you to what you're doing now? Um, okay. I So I remember when I was young, realizing the importance of giving children a good foundation, how if they're given a good foundation early in life, then there's no limit to their potential. And I remember being driven by that. And I, I even thought, um, as I got older and as I got educated, I I remember thinking, I want to find the worst possible thing that inhibits a child's progression. And that's what I want to dedicate my life to. So I went to school and I got a degree in family life. And I wanted to really focus on preventing family problems, things that would interfere with a child's success. And my last semester of school of my, of my bachelor's degree, which I didn't get until a little bit later in life. Like I had, um, three kids by the time I got my degree. Um, and 
you know, so I had a little bit more life experience going into that. But I remember learning, I mean, I remember looking, reading the newspaper that last semester and reading an article about human trafficking. And that was like totally new to me. I was like, Mm. wait, what? This happens? Children? Children are trafficked? Sex trafficked? Like it just blew my mind. And I, so I, I jumped in to learn everything I could about that. I attended a conference here in my small town in, in Billings, Montana. And then um, I just started just reading everything I could. I started following organizations who were doing something about that. And I started my own little volunteer team um, of people who felt similar to how I did, that they wanted to prevent this big problem of human trafficking. So fast forward a little bit and I went to, um, I went with you, Dana, Mm -hmm. to, to launch a human trafficking prevention program in Haiti. Mm -hmm. And I remember, um, I mean, that was an amazing, powerful, life-changing experience. But I remember one evening we were sitting around with all of these teenage orphans and, you know, they were, we were all just kind of getting to know them. We were just kind of hanging out and having fun. And I remember, um, learning from our guide there that, um, I think it's 80% of those orphans are not true orphans. They actually have living parents. And I remember him saying to me, the guide, I remember him saying, um, he talked about, you know, he's, he's a, a God fearing man. And I remember him talking about anytime you try to change the economy of God by like removing how God created things to run and to work, you know, referring to the family. He said, I, he said, anytime you try to change the economy of God, you're doing it wrong. And it, it just hit me right there. Like I, in order to help children be successful, in order to help them reach their potential, parents have to do their job and parents have to know how to do their job and parents have to feel empowered. And I feel like we live in this world where parents are undermined in so many ways Mm -hmm. and parents feel like I need the school to help me do my job or I need the government to help me do my job and, or daycare, whatever it is. And I know that, you know, we do need those uh, outside resources, uh, you know, as support systems sometimes, but you know, if there's anybody that's taking that primary job of nurturing and teaching your child away from you, something's not going to go right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's there's more potential for for problems. And so that is when my podcast idea came to be, was that night sitting at the orphanage mm-hmm. in Haiti. I was like, I am going to help parents know they can do it. I'm going to tell them how amazing they are, how qualified they are. I want them to feel like that that this job is something that they're capable of. And so I launched uh, Raising Today's Kids. Awesome. I did that for um, four years, I think. And then this year, well, last year, late last year, I was, there's another organization, Project Stand. I uh, was a nonprofit organization that I founded with a group of amazing women. And I can talk a little bit more about that, but Basically, we reached a point with that organization where I knew that I needed to put more energy and time into that. So I am currently in a one-year moratorium with my Mm. podcast. So I'm on a one-year break. If you do look up Raising Today's Kids, you won't see any new episodes for the last several months. Um, And that's because I'm putting more more energy into this other organization at the time. Right. 
but there are 52 episodes on your podcast that people can get caught up on while they're waiting for you to produce new content. And there are some incredible resources, incredible interviews that have changed me and helped me parent better by listening to what you've put out there. And I think it's awesome. There's, there's so many great resources there. Thank you. I'm so happy to hear that. So tell us a little bit about Project Stand. Okay. Yeah. So Project Stand is when I was finishing up my my bachelor's degree, I um and learned about the problem of human trafficking. That was what came. It was like I had I went a couple of different directions. I went down that path of trying to prevent human trafficking. And then I added to that that element of really empowering parents. But um so launched a, a team of volunteers who wanted to prevent human trafficking. We started out locally and we've had a few name changes over the years and our current name is Project Stand. And basically what we do is we uh, are all about, we, well, so what happened was when I learned about what is causing human trafficking, like what is the supply and demand? Where is this coming from? Like, why is this, you know, the fastest growing criminal enterprise in the world? And you know, third only to drug trafficking and, uh, you know, arms like gun trafficking. And it really came down to pornography. I just, you know, everything was pointing to pornography is driving the demand and pornography is, is impacting the supply as well. Um, and I did, uh, learned a lot about the, you know, scientific research behind that and what is, what leads to that progressive behavior of when someone views pornography and then becomes addicted and then they choose to act out, then who are they going to act out on They're You know, often it's a human trafficking victim. So I thought, okay, if I'm going to prevent human trafficking, I've got to address pornography exposure and help people prevent that or address that. So we went down that path of trying to educate people about the harms of pornography alongside organizations like Fight the New Drug. And, and then That led to realizing how much of all of this, pornography and human trafficking, are facilitated by the internet. And so we thought, um, so we kind of took a step back even further at that point and decided we need to address all of media safety. We need to, there are so many things online that make youth vulnerable to sexual exploitation of one sort or another. Um, You know, think about like cyberbullying victims. They are... um, more vulnerable to unhealthy relationships because they're seeking some sort of emotional support. And so they might end up in a relationship that's unhealthy, you know? So, you know, that's one of many examples I could give, but so we felt like in order to keep kids safe from all these forms of sexual exploitation that are out there, we've got to help them be safe online. We've got to help them use these devices that they are being given um, that that really like when you give a child a device, a smart device with unfiltered access to the internet, you're like dropping them off in the middle of Las Vegas and saying, go have fun. You know, I mean, it, there's just so many risks. And so, I mean, I'm sure all of your audience realizes that, but I just, um, so we started really working with White Ribbon Week, which is an elementary kind of media safety program, a digital citizenship program. And so we started working with them and got that program into several local schools. And then I don't know about the other women on our team, on Project Stand team, but I 
I felt like it was once my daughter reached the middle school age and my kids are in public school. And I, it was when they, once she reached the middle school age and I was like, well, there's no more, no more white ribbon week for her age group. We need something else now. And so that's when we created our middle school media safety program. So it's, it's a program that really kind of is built for that 11 to 14 year old age range that just empowers them, helps them recognize that they have power to make choices. And these are some things to look for and things to watch for. And, and we talk about standing on that solid ground of your values and goals to make good choices and, and stay safe online and to really thrive. And I, I believe that if children are given, um, we, we have kind of like a stepping stones that we, encourage parents to support their children on, um, that kind of incrementally gives them choices, agency to use online and with technology. And we believe if they are guided along that path and given those tools at the right time and right place, then they can learn how to thrive online. Mm -hmm. They can learn how to thrive with digital devices. And so a huge important element of that program is educating parents. So we have a video that we give to parents to educate them on what their kids are learning at school. And then one of my favorite parts is the the talking points that kids bring home from school and they're incentivized if they do this. It's really kind of a fun, exciting week. It's not meant to be like heavy homework assignment or anything like that, but these talking points that kids bring home from school and it allows them to bridge that gap between what they're learning at school and what the parents are learning at home and connect because really the most important protective factor is that parent-child relationship. And so we just help facilitate conversations between students and their parents about these issues. And I remember the first time a mom came to me after doing our program and saying, I've been wanting to talk to my kids about these things, but I just didn't know where to start. So thank you so much for this guide, this conversation guide. So that's one of the big things that we do at Project Stand is it's called Stand Week, the middle school media safety program. And it can be customized for other ages as well. And it can be used in homeschools and church groups. And there's just a lot of ways that it can be customized. And then the other part of, well, there's two other parts of Project Stand. One of them is kind of our legislative arm. We we do a lot with advocating for legislation that will help protect kids online and empower parents to be the best parents they can be. Um, So there's that piece. And then, but the other big one is the more visual one is our, it's called Stand and Raise. And it's our parent empowerment program, which includes that piece of Stand Week, you know, the, the education piece for parents. But another big part of it, the bigger part of it probably is our parent empowerment speaker series. So we do a webinar series where we interview people who are just experts in their fields relating to any anything that would relate to um, helping a child stay safe online. So like this year, we interviewed Ralphie Jacobs from Simply On Purpose. She's amazing. And she talked about connecting with your kids and how important it is to have a connection, to, to really develop that relationship, that attachment with your kids. And that is probably, I mean, like I said before, the relationship with parents and children is the most important protective factor. And so if kids are going to be safe online, they've got to have solid, I mean, it's not like you can't find safety if you don't have a good, strong uh, parent-child relationship, but it is just so powerful. So anyway, we had a guest talk about the side effects of social media, the mental health side effects of social media. 
and we addressed that. And we we talked. We had interviewed someone from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, where they talked about predators and how to keep your children safe from predators. So, we're just trying to give parents all the resources and all of the empowerment that we can, so that they can do their job, their most yeah. important job. I love that your focus is on educating parents because parents then can bring it back to their children. And if parents don't know those resources, I mean, there's just so much out there. It's hard to know how to navigate it all. And you've brought it into one space that makes it a lot more easy to work with. And so that empowerment series, that webinar that you do, how often do you do that? Is there a specific time of year that that happens? Is it still available, the one that you recently did? Yes. So we do it. We've we've done it two years in a row now. Um, we're planning on it being an annual thing. It's in the last two years, it's been in April. And we're actually currently talking about whether we want to keep it in April again or choose another month. But um, you can find it on our website, projectstand.org. Yeah, all the recordings are on there. It's the way we have it set up is we do, we've done it every Tuesday in April. So mm-hmm. one a week and we do it at, at noon. So, you know, hoping that those working parents can maybe watch it on their lunch hour or something. But yeah, so noon on Tuesdays in April and um, projectstand.org is where you can find all the recordings. I love it. I think that's so awesome. And I've, I've noticed this progression, you know, you, you start out with, okay, this is what I need to focus on. And then you become a little bit more where your knowledge grows and you're like, okay, this is where we need to focus. And then again, your knowledge grows and you're able to come in a way you're growing outward, but you're also coming back in to the core and finding what really is the focus, what you really need to, to address. I think that's awesome. That's what we focus on here at Big Ocean, women seeking after wisdom and that wisdom is the greatest form of knowledge and that it's incremental. It's not that something that you go into knowing everything all at once, but knowledge is incremental and it grows as you continue down that path. I want to know, how did you get educated about the issues? Great question. Well, started with my family life degree that really kind of launched me into it and then I, there are so many amazing organizations and and amazing research that's been done out there. I followed closely the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. I love that organization. I I just feel like they are, um, they are just shifting the tide. They are just powerful and they are doing so much good. They so are. I follow them a lot. I like I mentioned before. I I follow Fight the New Drug a lot. They've done a lot of they're kind of a hub for some of that research, that scientific research that's been done that when you're working mm-hmm. in the field of the public school system, you have to be able to have like empirical research that you can, you can you go up. back to and yeah, and that, that can back you up. And so that's been super helpful. White Ribbon Week, that's another organization that I've I've learned a lot from their founder, Deanna Lamson. Kristen Jensen with Defend Young Minds has educated me quite a bit. Her book, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, has been really helpful. And oh, I think that's changed and, and empowered a lot of families. I love to go to conferences and network with people like this. Like I love to go to the the Coalition to End Sexual Exploitation Summit in mm-hmm. Washington, D.C. I love to go to the Utah Coalition Against Pornography Conference, those kinds of things. I just, there's so, uh, there's several different organizations that I'm a part of, like 
committees. I'm on the Utah PTA Digital Wellness Committee. And so I get to network with all the people on there and learn from them. And they're amazing people. I'm also on the Safeguard Alliance, which is a it's like a subcommittee of the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. So I get to network with those people and learn from them. So it's it really is this this field where there's a lot of collaboration. There, I feel like I, I love how we are all in the business of trying to help children and strengthen yeah. families. And so there's not that competition that you might find in mm. other fields. And so we just, we get together, we empower each other, and then we go back to our little niche and we run with what we've learned together. Yeah. Do you ever feel overwhelmed by <laughs> any of this? Yes. Oh my goodness. And that I, I feel like Sometimes the over sometimes the overwhelm happens at conferences and stuff, but sometimes that's where like the strength comes too. It's mm-hmm. like just, you know, just getting with your tribe and like feeling buoyed up by each other is really mm-hmm. helpful. Um, I didn't mention also I went back to school and got a master's degree in family and human development, and that's also been really helpful. But I there is, there are a lot of times when I feel overwhelmed and sometimes I just have to take a step back. Usually we slow down quite a bit in the summer, our organization, so we can really just focus on our families. And uh, most of us have kids in public school. And so that's a good time to just like focus on them and and take a step back from this. Yeah. Recenter. But there, there are sometimes I'll read like, I'll, I, I'm always, whenever I'm reading like the news or something, I, I'm always drawn to the articles about, you know, sexual assault and and things like that. And so those can get heavy. And I, I sometimes I just have to just stop and just take a break for, for a while because yeah. it's, it's a lot, but um, I feel like God is at the core of everything that I do. And, and so I find a lot of strength in him and I feel like Sometimes he guides me to spend some time learning and sometimes he guides me to just slow down and focus on the people or something like that. And Mm. so like right now, our, our stand week has been, um, we launched that in 2020 (laughs) of all years. And so there's been some, some like, you know, we had to go back to the drawing board and think, okay, how are we going to implement social distancing in this? But anyway, that's pretty new. It hasn't been around too long, but um, we're ready to create a second and a third version of that program because we don't want students doing the same version each year. Um, we want them to have some some um, variety to that. And so right now I'm in the process of creating that the second version of that program. And that is really fun to me. Like I really enjoy that process of um, gathering ideas and putting them down. And when we go into schools or when we, it's actually a student led program. So we don't have to do a lot of like being present at the schools, the students kind of run with it and empower their peers. But these programs are really so hopeful. And so there is a, an exciting element to it that I'm like, I know that we are going to make a difference in the lives of these kids and these families who, who do this program. And so it just energizes me. That's awesome. There was something that you said um, that reminds me of our internal compass and that conscious that we have within us that, you know, sometimes God is telling you to to learn and to spend some time becoming educated and gain more knowledge. And then sometimes you feel 
drawn to pull back and to focus on the people. And I think that's a really important reminder for all of us that it's not constant go or, you know, it's not a constant in breath. We have to have an out breath too. And we slow ourselves down and, and, and listening to that internal compass will help us as we move forward and in, in becoming educated. Oh, I couldn't survive without it. Like it's, <laughs> it's essential. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on today is because I felt like what you're doing with Project Stand is such a great follow-up to our conversation that we had recently with Kimberly Ells. And when we asked her, what what do you feel like parents need to understand the most? And her focus was on phones. We need <laughs> to understand what we're doing that we're give, when we're giving our children phones. And I just wanted to spend a couple of minutes talking about that. What do you know? What what can you tell parents to give them more courage, maybe to hold back and to not put an, a smartphone into their child's hands or, I don't know, speak to that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. I'm assuming that, well, maybe I shouldn't assume. Um, mm-hmm. Let me just talk a little bit about some of the the stats that are out there. Screen time, too much screen time can be related to sleep problems, aggression, desensitization, nightmares fear, impulsivity, depression, low self-esteem, anxiety, low attention span. I mean, there's so, so many uh, negative things that are associated with too much screen time. Social media, the more someone time someone uses social media, the more likely they are to be depressed. Social media increases the risk of bullying, click forming, sexual experimentation. It leads to privacy issues, internet addictions, sleep deprivation, anxiety, depression, all of those things. Cyberbullying, um, one in four children has experienced cyberbullying and cyberbullying victims are two times more likely to commit suicide. Pornography, uh, 27, this this statistic blew my mind, 27% of all video content online is pornographic. Over one quarter of, of video content online. I mean, you think of how many videos are out there and the constant stream of YouTube and Netflix and all of those things like 27% of content is is pornographic. And what are the odds that our children are going to be exposed to that? They're pretty high. And some people say, I mean, there's different stats that talk about the average age of first exposure, but I would say most kids are probably exposed by age 11. And so, you know, all the problems that can come from that, the the low self-esteem, the poor body image, the um, compulsive sexual behavior, you know, experimenting on what they've seen to make, to normalize it. There's just so many issues that can come from that. And so, yeah, the problems are real. Like I mentioned with the Las Vegas example earlier, the problems are very real, but at the same time, I'm very hopeful because I know that kids can be resilient. They can be I know that resilience is is tricky right now too because I feel like there's so much instant gratification and so many so many ways that children's problems are just like solved immediately these days with just the world that we live in the instant gratification world that we live in but so I know that we need to work on resilience that's something that it, it's there it's present in our children but it needs to be it needs developed. to be harnessed a little bit more and developed but I believe that that's possible and I believe that an educated parent can um, just be so powerful in the lives of their kids and protecting them. So while those problems are real and they're scary um, and even good parents run into so many of those problems, mm-hmm. um, I just, I have a lot of hope that with, you know, with continued education and continued like 
you know, developing this relationships with our kids and things like that, then that there is hope and it's never too late to go and, and fix some of those problems that have come up. But I, I also believe that there has never been in the history of the world, there has never been something like this, like a smartphone that gives our kids more agency in one little location than that. I just don't think that's ever happened before. Like it is the biggest test of our agency. Like how will we choose? What will we choose? And I believe that if kids can be taught to choose well with a device, there's no limit to, to um, what they can do and how well, you know, they will be able to use those skills that they learn from choosing how to use a device and incorporate that in every aspect of their lives. And so I believe in a very incremental approach. I can uh, I pause you for just a minute because I want to add something. I am so glad you followed up those statistics with hope because I'm listening to those and I'm overwhelmed with, you know, the dangers that are out there. And I'm just so glad you followed up with hope and that idea that, you know, if we can teach them to use their screen time wisely, then there's nothing that they can't do. I think that's really encouraging and exciting, puts a lot of pressure on us parents but it's exciting. We can become educated. I was listening to somebody recently this week who's talking about some dangers of, of things happening in the movie industry. And, and he was saying, we can do this. We were made for this. We came at this time because God knew that we could handle this. And I think we as parents need to remember that there's nothing that's going to be put before us that we can't handle. It's going to take some work and we need to be dedicated, but we can do this. And really quick, before you jump into the next thing is, um, where can we find these statistics? Do, do you have these on your website? Well, they are, I don't know that they're on our website. They're in my presentation material. Oh, so yeah. I could, I if anyone wants them, you can reach out to me and I can provide you with those okay. if that helps. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So tell us your... Well, I'm glad you said that because I firmly believe that any child that is in your care has been put in your care for a reason. And if you have a child in your care, then you have been qualified to be that child's guardian. So lean on that knowledge that it's it's for a wise purpose. And there were no um, accidents when it came to that. So yeah. So we, you know, at Project Extend, we talk a lot about that, that incremental, like what are, what are the things a child needs? What are the layers that a child needs to have in place in order to be able to thrive online? And so we have what we call the hierarchy of healthy technology needs. And the whole thing is just enshrined in that parent-child relationship. That is just like the given that each layer has to include that parent-child relationship. So at the bottom is delayed access to technology. Like there is no reason to jump into giving your kids, uh, you know, your elementary kids. Well, I can't say there's no reason. I take that back. There are sometimes kids, younger kids need to have a phone. Like, for example, you know, if there is like a co-parenting thing happening with, with you know, living with mom one week, living with dad the next, and you need to be able to contact your child. Um, I have seen situations where that is a need and, and that's but there, a child can still be protected. There can still be um, protections put in place. But delayed access to technology as, as much as possible and as much as is reasonable. Um, that also includes physical boundaries, like not having phones in bedrooms and in private spaces, things like that. And then we also need laws that protect. And that's why we're really big about advocating for laws like 
things that are going on in federal legislation right now that are driving me crazy that senators and and are not signing on to. It's like so common sense. And I could spend a whole episode talking about that. But anyway, this pyramid is a lot like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, where they they kind of build on each other and they kind of follow his pattern a little bit. But the next level is uh, safety. And that is includes like the filters and the parental controls and that guided technology use, like sit with your child, um, sit next to them and look at their phones, look at, you know, the phone together and understand like what they're doing. And, and I'm really big about like giving, like I said before, giving your child a little incremental ability to make choices. So, and I, I can talk a little bit about like how to have those conversations with your kids and how to guide them through that. But the next level um, of our healthy technology needs pyramid is belonging, like those healthy online and offline relationships. We cannot just have online relationships because then you miss out on developing those important social cues of the eye contact and the healthy physical touch and those kinds of things that are just so important. Mm-hmm. Then next, I believe if those, I believe if those layers are in place, the physical needs, the safety with that, the filters parental controls and that guided technology use, then um, they're taught how to have healthy online and offline. Well, that's not next. It's inc- it's with the bottom layers as well. But those healthy relationships, then the esteem that can come, they can develop confidence, they can develop self-respect, and they can be taught how to set their own goals and to rely and to turn back to their values anytime they use technology. Uh, and I have a whole worksheet that helps helps kids go through, helps parents take their kids through that process of recognizing what their values are and what their goals are, so that anytime they're picking up their phone, they're remembering what my value my values are. Like if I have a value of kindness or gratitude or something, am I am I living that value? Am I being true to that whenever I click or post or or share something online? And then the the next level is that self actualization, and I know that's that is a, a, what I mean by that. And I don't mean like that you're living in your own world and just, you know, being separate from everybody else. I, I look at that, like it is you reaching your full potential. Like if those layers can be put in place and you can have healthy development all along the way, then you can reach your potential in your relationships with other people, in your field of expertise, with the wisdom that you have as a parent, all those kinds of things. But the, the guide, the little worksheet that I was talking about, it's called we call it the healthy technology path. And this kind of talks about like helping your kids recognize what the issues are. And so I always encourage parents to start conversations with questions and curious, compassionately curious questions. Because if you're starting with questions like, what are you doing on your phone? Like, why are you always on that or whatever? They're going to shut down. They're not going to want to talk to you. And so we we talk about asking questions like, what do you love about your phone? What do you love about technology? Or what do you love about that app? And and to really try to understand where they're coming from. Like what gets them excited about playing that video game or whatever it is? And then you follow up with the question of what bothers you about it? Like what do you see that bothers you about the way that you know things, whatever you see on that app or you know how you feel when you're whatever, playing that video, I don't know, whatever it is, like ask mm. them and just really get a feel for like what they've noticed. And and it's not a one-time thing to have these conversations, but continually asking them to really like look at, at their experiences. And people always talk about, you know, the prefrontal cortex is not developed till the mid twenties. 
And while that's true, it's a muscle. The brain is a muscle. And as we exercise them, then they develop. And so kids can be taught to do that self-reflection and to, um, to, to analyze and to critically think and things. And so, um, that's what we're trying to get them to really do in that first part of this healthy technology path. And then we talk about the next step is to write about, to, to talk about their values and help them articulate what their values are, you know, and of course, like, um, as we guide them to develop their values as parents, but, um, to, if they can articulate what their values are. I mean, research has shown that if you spend 10 minutes writing about a value that you have a a personal value, then it can impact you in a positive way, like months later, just a 10 minute writing exercise about your value. And so that stays with you. And so if you can get them to write about their values and maybe choose, and I like to have them say, choose one value that you're going to use when you use technology this week, maybe you're going to choose to just like really focus on gratitude as you're using your, your phone or playing video games this week or whatever it is. And then that will, um, that can help guide their choices that they make. And then the next step on that path is to identify a goal, like a short-term goal. Like what are you going to do with technology this week that will help you to, that will be in line with that value that you chose. And so Maybe your value, if your value is gratitude, then maybe when you use technology this week, you're going to say thank you to somebody or, um, you know, I don't know, use, incorporate that in some way. Maybe when you're posting something on social media, you post a message of gratitude. And then the next thing is to, the next step is choices. And I have this little acronym, um, we call it just a sec, like take just a sec Whenever you're going to post or search or share or something online, take just a sec and sec stands for stop, evaluate, choose. So to stop, evaluate, and choose, like stop is what I'm about to post or search or play. Does that match my values? Does it match my goals? Then, you know, you evaluate that. Well, and in the stopping, you you take that deep breath. You recognize, you, you stop and think about your five senses. You kind of ground yourself for a second. Then you evaluate, does it match my values and goals? And then you make a choice. Like, am I going to choose to continue doing this thing? Or am I going to choose to make a different choice that does match my values and goals? And then with the goals, there's always an accountability partner that we talk about you, you got to have. And so then at the end of the week, after you've lived, you you know, you've worked on living that value and you've worked on um, uh, reaching that goal, then check in with your accountability partner and say, how did I do this week? Like maybe as a parent, you go to your kids and say, so how did it go with trying to practice value or pr- trying to practice gratitude when you were using your technology this week? And how did it go with that goal that you set to post one comment that was a thankful comment every day or something like that. Um, and then you repeat the same thing the next week. So it's like a constant, like you said before, um, it's a very, it can be very time consuming, like managing children and their, and their use of technology. In in some ways I say, when people ask how early can I give my child a smartphone or whatever? I, I ask, uh, how much time do you want to be spending doing the oversight on that? The earlier that you give it, the more time you have to invest in making sure they're staying safe on that thing. Um, That's one of the reasons I'm holding off with our next child. I'm like, I'm not ready to delve into that real type of relationship with you. I I need a couple more years, I hope before I can, I can manage that part of our relationship. 
I was actually talking to a mom this week and she was like, I'm thinking about selling my business because I don't have time to manage my son and his devices. I'm like, whoa, it really can be a part-time job. And so when, when going back to like those uh, physical, the physical boundaries of technology, there is a, there, there are a lot of layers of safety when it comes to like giving your child a phone, right? You can give them a phone that has no internet access, no apps, you know, like the Gab phone or Trumi or something like that. Um, and that is that, or, or you do a smart watch or something like that. There's, there's different levels. Like, like for example, me, I gave my uh, daughter an iPhone when she was in sixth grade. And some people think that's crazy, but I dumbed it down so much that she had no internet. All she had was she could take pictures. She could contact me. She could, there was a scripture app that she could use. I wanted to be able to access scriptures wherever she went. And then that's about it. And then that phone could grow with her. Like I could go into the, the screen time settings. Oh, and then very restricted screen time. She could only do it for like certain amount of minutes or hours a day. But then I could go into those the screen time and incrementally add more time or add a website or add an app or something so it could kind of grow with her. But that all takes that all takes time and effort to manage. And those screen time settings are not perfect. And sometimes they have flaws. And sometimes, you know, it takes a lot of figuring out to resolve those flaws. So yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to go back to these steps. I love your approach to questions. It's not accusatory. It's not assuming that they're doing something bad or dumb. And you're allowing them to collaborate with you and to share their inner selves. Um, and I love the 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 section where you you focus on values and helping them discover their own. I think as parents, so many times we assume that we're going to instill in them our values and what's important to us is going to be important to them. But it's so much more powerful to discover where they're at and help them decide on their values. And there's such a range of good values out there. We don't have to have all the same things. I'm actually reading a book, Understanding and Clarifying Your Values right now that goes through, I don't know how many, I mean, I'm looking at them, I'm supposed to choose my top five and there are so many good ones in there. We can be varied in what our values are and that will empower them to want to make good choices as they discover their own values. So I love that. And then you're, you know, choosing goals, focusing on what you're going to do rather than being consumed by media. What am I going to do? How am I going to approach it? I love that. And then checking in, having that accountability measure tied into it. So thank you for sharing all of those goals with us. Yeah. Brittany, is there anything else that you want to share with our audience today? Oh, I, I just want to go back to the fact that parents are the most important protective factor and you are qualified to be the parent of your children. And not only are you qualified, but you're qualified today right now. And I remember reading about this survey that was taken of these kids who they were asked about like who they would go to if they had a crush on somebody or who would they um, talk to if you know, who would be the first to know if they um, got asked on a date or something like that. And anyway, it just talked about like how our kids don't need experts. Yes, knowledge is good and we should continue to seek after that. And I, I have felt very empowered by that. And I think all parents could feel empowered by that, but you don't have to be an expert about everything. You just have to be 
that person in your child's life who they um, have that connection with, who they want to turn to. And if you don't feel like you have that, it's not too late to develop it. That I believe that um, relationships can be mended and with you know, go follow Ralphie Jacobs. <laughs> She'll teach you something about if you're struggling with your relationship with your child, she's full of ideas. And like I mentioned, we had her on our speaker series this year. So you can watch that on our website, but I just believe in the power of parents. And I believe also in the power of our youth. I believe that they have come to earth at this time with incredible potential and um, they're, they are so strong. And they are capable of doing so much good. And we just need to guide them toward that. Yeah. Thank you. What you're saying reminds me of what we see in Big Ocean, that wisdom is achieved by uniting our internal compass or conscience with our life experiences. And all of us as parents have that internal compass. And if we check in with that and we use our life experience to guide us and we are willing and open to continual learning, then we will be able to overcome every obstacle set before us. Thank you so much for joining us, Brittany. Can I just say one more thing? I, I was going to mention this earlier, but I love Kimberly Ells and I um, just highly recommend following her. Her episode that you did with her was amazing. And I had a chance to meet her earlier this year when I was at the United Nations and I got a copy of her book and everything that she says is true. And I, I saw little glimpses of what she refers to in her book, um, at the UN and was just like kind of devastated by it. Um, and I remember when I read her book the whole time I'm, I'm flipping through and I'm like, okay, when are you going to get to the part that tells me what to do? Like, what do I do about this? Like, this is mm -hmm. so, so awful. What is going on? And, when we got, when I got to the last chapter where she talks about the power of families, I was just like, oh my goodness, she's right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I just need to keep doing what I'm doing. I just need to keep teaching my children. Yeah. I need to keep empowering them. I need to just keep being there for them and prioritizing those relationships. And it's all going to be okay. And, yeah. and fighting for good in the world too, fighting for good legislation and fighting for good education and those kinds of things. But I just, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad, you, stuff. I'm glad you put another plug in for her book. I do recommend everybody read that. Be aware. And you have some resources to be able to share with other parents to let them know the reality of what we face. But again, we're not without help. We can conquer this. Um, also, I want to recommend reading Hold On to Your Kids. If you haven't yes. found a copy of that book yet, you need that one to understand the power of peer orientation versus parent orientation. And as as Kimberly also mentioned, media, social media has caused our, our youth to become more stranger oriented, which is even greater danger, I feel, than peer orientation. And so being yes. aware, we want our kids to be oriented to us as long as possible or to good adult mentors as long as possible. Absolutely. So thank you again for joining us, Brittany. So glad that you were on today. You've shared some powerful things with us and some great resources. Remind us where we can find you. Sure. I'm at projectstand.org. You can email me as well, Brittany at projectstand.org. I also didn't mention we have a an email list that we just send out once in a while, a tip of the week, a media safety tip of the week. That's like one very simple thing that parents can do in, in a one week period that will help them keep their kids more safe online. So um, you can sign up at projectstand.org. All right. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for having me. You have been listening to Currents, a podcast by Big Ocean Women. You can find us on the internet at bigoceanwomen.org, on Instagram, and on Facebook. We are each one powerful drop in a big ocean of change. Join us in one of our local chapters, Waves, or Women Achieving Vast Empowerment. Our music is First Rain by Ian Post. Editing and production is by Fifth East Productions. Please join us again next week for in-depth discussion about interesting ideas and about people who are trying to make a difference in their communities.